0: Kenny Green, the lead pastor of City Light Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith as we dive into the life-changing, life-giving Word of God. I hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to City Light Church. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Hallelujah also want to take a moment and welcome all of our other churches our Mont Eagle campus Who's probably getting rowdy right now for Jesus right now and our online campus wherever you're at Could you just could you just give God an ovation of praise right now and just clap and just get loud for him? It's gonna be a great day as we enter into week three of our series be the light live the mission we have already covered so much we begin by talking about the vision statement of City Light Church, we exist to see people changed by the love of Jesus and then see them fulfill their purpose. And so we spent a whole week talking about what it looks like to be changed by the love of Jesus and how we can create an environment where people can come from all walks of life and come here and encounter the life-changing love of Jesus. And we were challenged and we were pushed to, to be the demonstration of the love of Jesus, that that the way people are going to see God's love is through his people amen and so we were challenged to go out and love people and and we know that the great commandment that jesus gave us was to love god and to love others and so hopefully you've been going out and and loving people with the love of jesus christ and and we talked about that and then last week we talked about uh fulfilling our purpose right and becoming all that god has called us to become and that 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 we have a why that there is a reason for our existence and there is a reason god made you the way that he made you and that we were really challenged and pushed to use our unique gifts and talents and, and and even spiritual gifts that god has given us uh, to build the kingdom of God and to serve others uh, with excellence. And, and we talked about that last week that we don't just want to see people changed by the love of Jesus. We love that. Come on. Do y'all love that church? I don't know about you. I love it when somebody comes and, and, and they see the love of Jesus through our incredible dream team and then they hear about the love of Jesus as we preach the gospel and then we see them surrender their life to Christ and their life begins to take off uh, for the better and they begin to move in the direction that God has purposed for them to to move in and nothing gets me that gets me so excited. But we don't just want to see you come to Christ and then say, "Okay, bye bye, you're on your own now." Come on, somebody. No, we want to help you grow, Amen. We we want to help you fulfill your purpose and become everything uh, that God has called you to become. And it's been an amazing series so far. And today uh, we're talking about another key part of who we are uh, as a church. And today, what I want to do is I, I want to t- I want to take a few moments. And I wanna talk about the mission That God has for every single believer in this room right now and every single follower of Christ that is watching on the other side of that camera. That every single person, if you wear the name of Jesus and if you are a follower of Jesus, you have this mission and God wants you to be a part of it. A key thought for this series was this. Know the vision. Have we talked about the vision? Come on, do you know the vision? Hopefully so. It's to know the vision, and then we said living the mission equals changing the world. If I know the vision and then I live the mission, we can go out and change the world. We can go out and be difference makers. We know the vision. Now let's talk about living the mission. I don't know if you're like me or not, but I love kind of just... Acting like I'm on, on a mission everywhere I go. Anybody like that? Like, guys, you can do this, and it will, like, make life really fun. Everything I do, it's like a mission for me. So, like, when I go cut the grass, I'm like, boom, I'm on a mission, you know. And all of a sudden, like, cutting the grass is like it takes on a new sense of meaning, and I'm out there to complete this mission. Like, Frank and I, we were on a mission yesterday, right? We are on a mission. And, and nothing, listen, you don't want anything to get, you don't let anything get in your way until you complete the mission. Can I get an amen from the guys in the house? Like, like, guys, when I go to the grocery store for my wife, I'm like on a mission. I'm like, okay, don't forget anything this time. Every single item that she wants me to get is like an objective to my mission. And I'll just tell you, I have yet to perfectly complete one of those missions because I always forget something. Can I get an amen? My wife, she'll be here in the next service. She's going to shout amen because I always forget something no matter how hard I try. But, But I love living that way. It makes life kind of exciting. And, and, and I was thinking about missions this week, and I was doing a little research, and, 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 I, and I found, I came across what, what is recognized as one of the most significant missions uh, in the history of, of our nation, and it was the Apollo missions. And if you know anything about the Apollo missions, there were 17 missions uh, designed to put a human being on the surface of the moon that's that's pretty amazing isn't it and so from 1961 to, to 1969 uh, men and women from nasa uh, tirelessly worked around the clock to try to put a human being on uh, the moon. And you have to know that within those eight years, there there were many sacrifices that were made. There were people that were working like 24-hour shifts. There, th- there were people that even lost their lives trying to get this mission complete. And then finally, um, July 16th, of 1969, uh, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin walked on the moon. Somebody shout, America, come on. Like, doesn't that feel good? Like, we, we won. Like, we beat everybody to the moon. And, and they walked on the moon. We put a human being on the surface of the moon and, and they completed the mission. Amen. And, and here's why they completed the mission. Here's why they were able to do this within eight years. It's because people came together for a common cause. Uh, people came together and and they had a common goal they they had a common mission and, and people sacrificed and and people really poured into this and they completed the mission and it's pretty amazing that we were able to put a person on the moon i don't think it gets any much better than that i mean it's really incredible that we had people walking on a planet in outer space come on but but what i want us to know today is as followers of christ the mission that God has us on is the same mission that Jesus was on. And it's a mission that is far bigger and far greater and matters so much more than putting someone on the moon. Like, like this, is, this is big, church. And what you have to understand about this mission that I'm talking about today, if we miss this mission, if we don't embrace this mission, if we don't live this mission out, there are eternal ramifications. But I want you to know, church, if we miss this today, If we don't get this, if we don't live this, heaven and hell weigh in the balance. That's a big deal, isn't it, church? If we don't embrace this mission, I just want to premise this message today by saying this. This can't be just another sermon today. This can't just be another sermon that we hear and, oh, oh man, that was good. Man, it sounded like a really biblical thing that was preached today. And, And then we just, we pack our things up and we leave and then we never change how we're living in our lives. Listen to me, church, if there was ever a message that you really need to dig into today and just engage in and, and just ask the Holy Spirit to move in your heart and in your life, it, it would be today because this may be the most important sermon i 've ever preached because i 'm talking about something. Listen, if you can grab a hold of this and if we can get behind the mission that Jesus has sent us on i 'm telling you right now hell 's going to be a lot more empty, and heaven 's going to be a lot more full. Anybody want that? And so th- this is so big, this is crucial. So, so let's just pray. Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, we just pray that you would just move in this moment. God, in the name of Jesus, would you just arrest our mind's attention, our, our heart's attention. God, would you just move in this moment, challenge us, push us, uh, inspire us so we can go out and complete the mission and fulfill our purpose. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Amen. Hey, what I want to do now, I want to talk about one of our core values. It's one of our first va- It is actually our first value, and that is we believe that Jesus is our everything. Jesus is our, can we just say that together? Jesus is our everything. He's everything to us. And what we mean when we say that is that we want Jesus to be at the center of everything we do as a church. We want Him to be at the center of our preaching. We want Him to be at the center of our worship. We want Him to be at the center of every ministry. We want Him to be at the center of our giving. We want Him to be at the center of everything that we do. And we want to help you put Jesus at the center of your life. We want to help you put Jesus at the center of your marriage, of, of your family, of your finances, of, of your career. That Jesus would be everything to us. That we wouldn't be at the center, that our bank account wouldn't be at the center, that our career wouldn't be at the center, that what we wanted or what we thought we wanted for our lives wouldn't be at the center, but that Jesus would be at the center because whenever Jesus is at the center, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I promise you, if Jesus is at the center of your marriage, it's going to get better. You put Jesus at the center of your career, it's going to get better. You put Jesus at the center of your finances, it's going to get better. He makes everything better. That's just what he does. He brings light. He, he brings life. And so, so God help us. We, we better have him at the center of our church. Amen? Because he's the one that started the church, he's the one that's the head of the church, he's the one that's building the church, and according to Revelation, he's the one that's coming back for his church. So I want him I want him to be at the center. Because Jesus is our only hope. Without Jesus, we're a mess. The Bible says in John 14 that apart from him we can do nothing. So I want him at the center. We want to we want to help people begin a journey where jesus becomes everything to you in fact everything we do as a church is to help people become more like christ that's our goal that's our heart for you is that you would leave here wanting to be more like christ oh that's i know that's not like an amen like we're gonna run around but but that's really it's as simple as that that we want to help people become more like christ do you know that's why we do outreaches That's why we do evangelism. That's why we do small groups. And that's why we do all the things that we do. That's why we do the trainings that we do. It's all centered on helping you become more like Jesus. Because if you become more like Jesus, I'm telling you, you'll begin to fulfill uh, your purpose. Are y'all with me today? And so, in fact, what I want to preach today is, is this. Here's my title. If I could give this a title today, I would entitle this More Like Jesus. More Like Jesus. If you want to be more like jesus just wave your hand in the air like you just don't care how many of you think that you're like oh i'm already like Jesus? no the devil is a lie come on can we all just be honest that we need to we need more like jesus in our lives like we're not there yet that we haven't arrived to perfection yet that we have a can can we just be honest and say hey a lot of us pretty much all we got a long ways to go amen can we just be real today like Like, we've got a long ways to go to becoming like Christ. It's a lifelong journey, but I do. I want to become more like Jesus. And so here's why we're talking about Jesus. Here's why we're talking about mission. And here's why all this goes together. Big idea for today. You don't get anything else? Get this. Here it is. Living on mission makes me look more like Jesus. Living on mission makes me look more like Jesus. Living on mission. Here's what we know about Jesus. Jesus came to this earth with a very specific mission in mind. Everything he did in his life was committed to the mission and completing it. And listen, the answer to every world problem today is Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's Jesus. Listen, this world is crazy right now. And any time the church loses its focus of its mission, it holds us back from making a difference. Anytime we get distracted, anytime we lose our focus, do you know why we were able to put a person on the moon in only eight years? Even with the limited technology that we had in the 60s, you want to know why? The reason why is because there were a group of people that used their gifts, their intellect, their talents, and they stayed focused on one mission, putting somebody on the moon. Could you imagine some of the leading scientists halfway through said, you know what? We're going to go over here and we're going to start working on how we can put somebody on Mars. And we're going to go over here and then another group of us, you know what, we're getting a little bored with the moon thing. So we're going to go over here and we're going to see how we can orbit Venus. And, And could you imagine if they allowed themselves to get distracted from their mission? They didn't get distracted and as a result they completed their mission. And today, can I just be honest, the church is distracted. The church is distracted big time and we're giving our time our energy our resources our allegiance our life to things that jesus never called us to give our lives to let me help us today nothing wrong nothing wrong with voting i encourage you to vote you should vote but can i tell you right now another new world leader is not the hope of the world I'm going to tell you right now, vote policy and vote for policy. I'm I'm going to be right there with you. But I'm going to tell you right now, policies is not the hope of the world. New laws and more laws is not the hope of the world. Are you all with me today? Government is not the hope of the world. If you think government is the hope of the world, you're going to be disappointed every single time. Let me tell you who the hope of the world is. His name is Jesus Christ. And if we can... If we can point people to Jesus, and if we can help people become more like Jesus, guess what? Abortion clinics will go under not because of a law, but because people didn't want to abort their babies because they're looking more like Jesus. More like Jesus. I'm telling you right now, we get people looking more like Jesus. Dope man ain't going to have nobody to sell dope to. It'll put the dump dealer out of business. It'll put the abortion clinic out of business. It'll put the liquor stores out of business. We don't need new laws. We need more Jesus. So let's point people to Jesus. Can we get back to what matters in the church? Can we get back focused on the mission that God has given us? Because I'm telling you right now, if we get committed to that, that mission, the mission that he's given us, the world can change. Amen. Hanging about jesus you want to know anything about it? He, he knew his mission he didn't get distracted from his mission he's 12 years old he knew his mission when he was 12. you remember whenever whenever mary and joseph they they all went and they took the family to church can you imagine this they took the family to church they're in jerusalem they're worshiping and they get done worshiping they leave the church and They're like oh where's jesus how are you going to lose your son and then how are you going to lose the son of god come on somebody are y'all with me today like, this is bad, y'all. Like, come on, you'd think you'd be watching, so like, I don't want to lose Jesus, the Messiah. They done lost the Messiah. It's crazy to me. And they're panicking, and as you know, like, you lose a kid in the story, like, oh my gosh, and that makes you look like a huge parent failure, right? Like, happens to me all the time, right? And so, you're like, they're like, where's Jesus? They can't find Jesus. So they start looking for Jesus. And, and watch what happens in, in Luke chapter 20, or, or Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Um, they're looking for Jesus. Because by the way, you weren't looking for Jesus, He was looking for you. Hey, listen to me today. You're like, oh, I found the Lord. You didn't find Him. He found you, somebody. Come on. Hey, so, so listen, it shows it right here. Hey, he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. He was on a mission. And his mission was to establish a heavenly kingdom on earth. And he was very strategic in how he completed this mission. In fact, when you look at his life and you look at his ministry, you realize that his ministry was more of a mission than it was a ministry. And watch what happens in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 through 18 when, when Jesus started his earthly mission and he, he starts his ministry. Just to give you a little bit of context, John John the Baptist had been preaching and, and John was an unusual guy. He had long hair and he ate weird foods and he was out there in the wilderness and he was preaching this message of repentance and he's basically paving the way for the Messiah to come and people are accepting the message and, and people are repenting. And, and he was teaching with such authority that literally multitudes of people were coming out to hear him preach this message of repentance, and people were being baptized, and and he had gained a following, and he gained a lot of notoriety. But the thing about John is that he always knew his place in the mission. He always knew his place. He said, "Hey, listen, this isn't about me. This isn't about who I am. But listen, there's one that's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to loosen the strap of his sandal. It's how great he is. Like I'm nothing. Like I'm just I'm just here to point you to the one." That is coming. And so watch what happens next. They're out there and and they're baptizing people. And then here comes Jesus walking. And John looks and he says, behold, it's the Lamb of God. Hey, that's the one I've been talking about. That's the one I've been telling you about. That's the one I've been trying to point y'all to. That's the one that I said is greater than me. That I'm not even worthy to loosen the strap of a sandal. And he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. He's the one. And Jesus comes down into the water and he looks at John. And he says, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, I ain't baptizing you. I'm not even worthy to clean your feet. I'm, I need you to baptize me. I'm not baptizing you. And Jesus insisted. And when, when Jesus insists on something, you do it. Amen? Amen. And so even though he felt unworthy to do it, he baptizes Jesus. And, and that's where our story picks up. And and after this baptism, it's going to launch Jesus into a laser-focused mission. And I want want you to see what it says here. After, verse 14, after baptism, John's been preaching. After John was put in prison, and he doesn't get out of prison. He completed his mission. He was faithful, and he, he completed. He finished his race. But Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Think about this. The time has come, he said, The kingdom of God has come near. Every time Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, it wasn't something later on down the road. It was something that was here and now. See, we think of like the kingdom and we think of heaven. We think about it as something that's like when we die and whenever we get down the road and whenever we get to glory. No, he came to give you heaven here and now on earth as it is in heaven now. You don't have to wait. Somebody got it. You don't have to wait You can have it now. He said the kingdom of God has come near. And watch what he says. He said, repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. Watch what he does. Come, follow me. And after you follow me, I'm going to send you out to do for others what I've done for you. Come follow me. Then I'll send you out to fish for people at once. Somebody shout at once. At once they left their nets and followed him. But let's break this down and let's let's look at this. Because within those three, four verses there, we see God's strategy and God's plan in reaching the world. We see the mission of Jesus. We, we, can see, we see this incredible strategy that, that Jesus used that led 2,000 years later to you and I being in a church worshiping a man named Jesus. That's how effective he was in his mission. His faithfulness to his mission affected generations after him. Can I say something? Your faithfulness or unfaithfulness will determine what happens in the generation that comes behind you i wonder how many of you say i'm going to pass it off better than it was handed down to me i want to be a part of this i want to be about god's mission so i want you to know it starts out with the message notice the message he says repent and believe the good news repent and believe the good news what what is the good news the good news is the message of jesus that jesus died for your sins that he was buried that he rose from the dead on the third day, and now you can be forgiven based on the sacrifice that Jesus paid on your behalf. How many of you know that's good news? It's good news. He says, you got to repent. In other words, you have to acknowledge that you're a mess. (laughs) You have to acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you need forgiveness. Because if you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner, you're never going to turn to a savior to forgive you. Repent and believe the good news. Very simple. Now, I want you to think about this. When Jesus preached this message, repent and believe the good news, he had unbelievers in mind when he preached the message. Y'all listen to me, church. When he was preaching and he was challenging them to repent and believe the good news, How many of you know there had to have been unbelievers there listening to the sermon that day? In fact, the entire sermon that he preached was targeting people that had yet to believe in Jesus. Because you don't tell a believer to start believing. Are you with me today? So Jesus, one thing we know about him and his mission is that he went after people that had yet to believe in him. You're like, I get it. You would be surprised how many don't get it. You'd be surprised by how many people fight it. And let me just kind of preach into this in the city and the area in the region of Tennessee that that we live in called the buckle of the Bible Belt. And the reason why we miss this about who Jesus is, is because we live in a city, Chattanooga, Mont Eagle, this region of Tennessee. Chattanooga was known as the most biblically literate city in the entire world. Yeah, you're surprised as I am, ain't you? Some of y'all, you live here long enough, you know what that means? There's a lot of people that know the Bible, but very few that are actually living it. There's a lot of people that know the mission, but very few that are actually living on mission. And what you realize very quickly is that when you see the demographic of this region that we are in the middle of right now, it seems that people that say they wear the name of Jesus are more of a follower of the Pharisees than they were Jesus of the New Testament. And in order for us to live this mission like Jesus lived this mission, we've got to let the chains of religion fall off of us and go out to the people that still are dead in their sins. Jesus took the message of people far from God. We need to take the message of Jesus to people that are far from God. How can we say that Jesus is the head of the church? Jesus started the church. Jesus is building the church. Jesus come back to the church. And then we don't do church like Jesus did ministry. So notice his message. It was repent and believe. Then notice the messengers. The messengers were fish, fishermen. Ordinary people doing an ordinary thing. You're like, you know what? This mission thing that you're talking about, pastor, that's your job so no 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 that's your job you're the preacher you're the pastor you you're supposed to be winning people to jesus that's that's your responsibility i don't have a seminary degree i i don't i don't know all that theological stuff i can't articulate the gospel these were ordinary men these weren't people from the priesthood these weren't people that were even in religious circles. These these weren't seminary grads. He, he picked everyday people doing an everyday thing. And he took people that were submersed in the culture. And he changed everything about their life. And then he sent them back into the culture to change the culture. Because if you're going to change the culture, that's how you do it, church. If you're going to change the world, that's how you do it. You go find the biggest drug dealer in the middle of the city and you win that man to Jesus. And then everybody that was following him will start following Jesus. That's what you do. So, so if we're going to live on mission, if we're going to look more like Jesus, this is so important because some people say, well, that's, that was, hey, was Jesus' mission. I ain't Jesus, brother. We know you ain't, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Somebody's like, hey, well, Jesus, you know, he would forgive people. I ain't right, Jesus. Yeah, we know, honey. We know. We know. That's what we're trying to get you there, though. Are you all with me today? Trying to move you in that direction. But this is, this is do you know? And, and some of you might say, well, now that there's so many believers in the world today, our mission is different today. Well, well, this is what Jesus said. John 17, 18, in his prayer for future believers, as he was praying for you and I, this is what he said to the father. As he was praying to the father, he said this, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. As you, what, what did the father, he said, I, I have come to seek and to save that which is Lost. As the Father sent me, I am now sending you. So the same mission that Jesus had is the same mission that you and I have. So if we're going to live on mission, we're going to look more like Jesus. If we're going to bring the light of Jesus to the world, one person, one family, one city at a time, our strategy has to be the strategy that Jesus had. And the strategy of Jesus was twofold. It's twofold. You can't have one without the other. Look at it as a canoe with two oars. If I just have one of the oars, I'm going to go in circles. Let me say paddles. Because I'm here like, what's an oar? <laughs> you know, I know. I mean, you said that right. But you got to have two paddles if you're going to move forward. Are you with me today? If I just have one paddle, just rowing one side, I'm going to sit there and spin. And, and can I just say, that's what a lot of our churches look like today. Because they didn't understand that the strategy of Jesus was twofold it's two paddles in the same boat. And when they're operating at equal strength, the church starts moving forward. And the problem is that we're not careful. We'll be good at doing one and won't do good at doing the other. We've got to be excellent at both. Why? Because this is the mission that Jesus has us on. So if we're going to be like more like Jesus, number one, we've got to do two things. But number one, we're going to invite people to follow Christ we're going to invite people to follow Christ. Jesus gave the invitation to follow, didn't he? We we had to point people to Jesus. We we go after people like Jesus went after people and invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's look at our, our passage again. Jesus comes to Simon and his brother Andrew, and he says, follow me. Very simple, isn't it? It's so simple that That if we don't really look at this and study it and study the significance of what those two words, follow me, really mean, we miss out on the mission that God has sent us on. Jesus, when you look at his life and his ministry, Jesus was an inviter. He was an inviter. I could go through the New Testament. I could countless times where Jesus was inviting someone to come and be with him. He was going to where they were, where they were, and he would invite them to follow. Isn't it amazing? Do you know where Matthew was? Do you know what Matthew, the tax collector, when Jesus went to him and said, follow me, was he in the temple on his knees praying? Was he like fasting and seeking the face of God? No, he wasn't. You know what he was doing? He was in a tax collector's office robbing people of their money, and that's where Jesus went. We've got to stop expecting people far from God to come to the church. We've got to go to them because that's what Jesus did. He went to them. He he went out of his way and he went to where they were and he would invite them to follow. You want to be more like Jesus? Be a better inviter. Invite people. Listen, I want to encourage you. Don't just invite people to church. Invite them into your life invite them over for dinner, invite them out to lunch, invite them to do something fun that you would enjoy together, Be- become their friend. Listen, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. He would, he would give an invitation. Listen, he was, a, he was this incredible inviter. And if I want to look more like Jesus, I need to do better at inviting people into our lives. He, he would invite people to follow him. In fact, that's where your spiritual journey begins. The day you say yes to Jesus is the day that you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start following Jesus. I'm going to become a Christ follower today. And that's where your spiritual journey starts. Do you know in our next steps that we have the entire first section? You know what it's called? It's called follow. Why? Because that's where it all starts. It starts before you get connected to a church, before you start serving, before you start doing any of those things we want to show you what it looks like to follow jesus and since we opened the church before we even opened the church the first section in that spiritual journey was called follow still is because we want to show you what it looks like to be a devout follower of jesus christ jesus goes to these ordinary men he chooses them to be one of his followers one of his disciples and when you think about this and you study the history and the culture of the time, that this is huge. Like this is super significant and it's super significant for, for many reasons. When you study first century history and you study Judaism during that time period, one thing you would never see is a Jewish rabbi coming to a complete stranger and saying, follow me. You'd never see it. In fact, you wouldn't even see a Jewish rabbi come to anybody and say, follow me. They would say, hey, come and follow the law. Because religion is all about following principles and precepts, but a relationship is all about following a person. So he brought something better, something more complete, something that would fulfill your life. And another thing, listen, if you wanted to be Uh, a mentee of a prestigious Jewish rabbi during this time and you wanted to be discipled by one of them, what you would have to do is you would have to like do a, a lot of different things and meet a lot of requirements before you could even get a meeting with them. And you would have to be somebody to even be able to get a meet with one of these prestigious Jewish rabbis and then you would have to do a lot of things to convince them and appease them for them then to consider and allow you to be one of their followers but aren't you thankful that jesus wasn't that way aren't you thankful that jesus was not that way and what we see is the gospel message in these two words follow me the fact because you know what jesus did he flipped religion upside down And he turned it into a relationship. Because Jesus, he came. He said, listen, this isn't a religion. This isn't about you. You're working your way to me. And getting everything right. And then meeting all the requirements. And then I accept you. And then you can start following me. And if you get your life cleaned up. And if you get your life straightened up. Then you can start following me. No, Jesus was like no other rabbi in the history of of Judaism. He said, I'm going to come to where you are in the mess of your life. When you're still jacked up. When you're still imperfect. When you're still in the middle of the messy stuff stinky sea of galilee i'm coming to where you are and i'm going to say follow me and i'm going to change everything about your life that once you start following me then i'll start changing you you know what peter andrew matthew you don't have to get your life fixed up you don't have to get your life straightened out in order for me to love you and accept you and for you to be a part of my family no i accept you just as you are but i will never leave you like i found you that's what jesus did anybody thankful that's what jesus did for you aren't you thankful because what do we see jesus doing we don't see people seeking him out we see him seeking them out going after them and isn't that what jesus did he left heaven landed on earth came to where we were on a mission and he came to us in the mess of our lives while we were still sinners romans 5 8 He demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody thankful that he came to where you were? See, I get excited about this because if you know my story, the day that I gave my life to Jesus, listen to this. The morning I woke up that day, I had no intentions of giving my life to Christ. Listen to me. I was an addiction. I was selling drugs. I was living a crazy life messed up immoral life the thing that I was thinking about that day was how much money I was going to make selling drugs that's what I woke up thinking of that day but by the time I oh good God but by the time I laid my head down to sleep that night when I wasn't even looking for him when I wasn't even seeking him out he came to me in the brokenness of a jail cell, messed up. He didn't wait till I got sobered up. He didn't wait till I got out of jail. He didn't wait till I got my life straightened out. No, he came to me right where I was and straightened me out right then in the middle of the jail cell and changed me and then sent me into the jail to bring change to the people around me. Because that's what he does. So we, we want to we encourage you. Go out and invite somebody to church this Sunday. Go out and invite somebody into your life this week. Go out and invite somebody to to follow Jesus, whether it's a waiter, a waitress, a coworker. Listen, go out and live this mission and be more like Christ and be intentional in every relationship that you have in your life because every relationship that you have in your life wasn't on accident. It was on purpose for a purpose. And that was... So that you might point them to a man named Jesus. Anybody want to live this out this week? I do. I want to live it out this week. I do. I want to lead the way. I want, to, I want to live this out in my own life. And the second thing we need, if we're going to be more like Jesus, you ready for this? We're going to help people grow in Christ. We're going to help people grow in Christ. Here, here's what I'm trying to say. Anytime you do something in someone's life that helps them become more like Christ, you are a disciple maker. Listen to me. What is a disciple? It's someone who looks like Christ. It's someone that is living like Christ lived his life. Anytime you talk to that friend that's got bitterness and rage in their heart and you point them to Jesus to forgive and let it go, you're making disciples. See, here's what I want you to know today. Don't overcomplicate helping people grow in Christ. You know what I've found? I help people grow in Christ more outside of a Sunday morning and outside of a small group than I do anything else. It's whenever life hits them and they call me. Hey, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what direction to go in. What does Jesus want me to do? I know you probably know. You're a preacher. And I tell him, well, this is what Jesus, and listen, the great thing, it's not about what would Jesus do? Remember the bracelets, WWJD? It's not about what, what would Jesus do? It's about what did Jesus do? He already did it. We already know what he did. I don't have to ask the question, what would he do? He gave me the four gospels to show me what he, what he did. And so we can show, it shows us how to be like Christ. And so I don't know about you. I want to commit my life. To pointing people to jesus and i want to commit my life to helping people grow in christ that's at the center of everything that we do and here i want you to know this jesus check this out look at the text jesus comes to peter he comes to andrew and he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't bring himself to them so that he could stop with them because the gospel came to me because it was headed to somebody else did y'all hear what I just said? The gospel came to you not so it could stop with you, but so that it could move through you to somebody else. Why did the gospel come to Kenny Green June 11, 2005 in the Cherokee County Jail Cell north of Atlanta, Woodstock, Georgia? It wasn't just so that the gospel could come to me and stop with me. It's so that the gospel would go through me to the other 35 men that would give their life to Jesus in my cell block. It, it came to me so it could get through me he's brought it to you i wonder has the gospel stopped with you did it stop with you i wonder how many of you would say i'm not gonna let the gospel stop with me it came to me and the reason why he didn't take me straight up to heaven and beat me up scotty the day i said yes to him is because he wants to get this message that's changed everything about me to the next person in my life and it's coming to me because he wants it to go through me are you letting it go through you, church? Growing in Christ. Listen, write this down. Discipleship isn't just informational. It's not just information. You know what I think Bible studies do for some of us sometimes? They make us even better sinners. i getting quiet in here today. Because you're not even living what you already know. And if I know what I should do and I don't do it, James said it's called sin. You know, sometimes when we preach in here, we're just making you a better sinner. I might make some of y'all better sinners today. Because you're like, oh, this is the mission. I've been commanded just as, I, as he was sent, I've been sent. And then if we don't go out and live it, guess what? You just became an even greater sinner. Do you know... If discipleship was information only, Judas wouldn't be in hell right now. Judas had all the information anybody could ever have, and he still died and went to hell. So you're like, you know, ah no, I'm going to heaven. I know I'm on my way to heaven because you know I've got John three sixteen memorized and, and I grew up in church and, and I went to all the, the Bible clubs and the Bible studies and my daddy was a, was a believer and, and his daddy was a believer and, and I know all about Jesus. I've been all around Jesus. Judas has better stories than you've got. Judas was around Jesus more than you were. What, what do we know about Judas? Listen, listen. When we just receive information about god and don't go out and live it out we become like judas let's just look at judas's life what do we know about judas judas knew about jesus judas heard every sermon from the physical mouth of jesus judas personally saw jesus confront religious leaders and and welcome sinners uh, judas saw blinded eyes open uh, judas saw the dead race saw demons cast out. Judas saw firsthand the power and the love of God perfectly displayed in Jesus, but he was never transformed by it. He was never changed by it. James put it this way. He said in James 2.19, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. If information and even faith equals discipleship, the demons would be his disciples. Y'all like this deep preaching today? Judas learned from Jesus' teachings, but he never allowed them to transform his heart. God help us tomorrow morning when we wake up and we dive into God's word that we don't just read it and hear it and it not change anything about how we live our lives that day. God, help us to read it and not just get into it, but let it get into us to the point that we go out there and we live it out. That we don't just know the mission, church, but but we live this out because we've been so transformed by Christ. that, that That's why we say one of the greatest indicators that, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ is not if you know about Christ and even have scripture memorized about Christ and even can debate what salvation means and you can even define all these big theological terms. No, the question is, has he ever gripped your heart and transformed your life? Has he ever changed you? Because if he hasn't changed you and you know everything about him, you're about as good off as Judas was. Listen, church, I don't know about you. I want to be changed by him. I want to grow in Christ. I want to become everything that he's called me to become. I don't just want to know about him. I want him to live through me. So we want to help you grow in Christ. Get up with me today. By teaching you how to be more like him. Because here's where... A lot of, it, would be, it would be sad if we encourage you to invite people that were far from God to come and, and you did it and you were so faithful doing it. And you got people here that were far from God and they gave their life to Christ. And as soon as they gave their life to Christ, we all clapped and said, whoo finish line. <laughs> Glory to God. They're going to heaven when they die. Our mission is complete. No. I want you to know today, the mission is complete had just started. Just started. When they go public with their faith in this baptismal pool, oh, it's done, it's great, it's wonderful. Count it up and chalk it up. No. The real fight has just begun, hasn't it, church? Because it's a lifelong journey of growing in Christ and becoming like Christ. So we have a spiritual growth process in place here that's focused on people coming back to church maybe they career they're coming back to the church they're coming back to god and it's designed for people that are new followers of christ it's going to teach them how to follow it's going to help you get connected to a local church because here's what the local church does and i still believe that the church is the hope of the world amen i still listen i believe that with that's why i believe in the church that's why i pastor a church because i believe the church is the hope of the world you know what the church does it gives you a platform to live out what you're being taught where you don't become an overfed, overweight Christian. That we give you a platform. We give you things like Love Loud, where you can go out in a poverty-struck community and be the love of Jesus to people that aren't getting the love of Jesus. It gives you the opportunity to do what Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, which says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded to you. And what do you remind us? And lo, remember, I am with you to the end of the age. Whenever you get to lead a group, you get to do what God saved you to do. You get to live out the mission that Jesus handed off to us. So we want to invest into this. In fact, our next steps, what we used to call City Light 101, we pour more resources, time, and energy into it than anything else other than Sunday morning worship. Why? Because we want to help you grow in Christ. We want to help you become more like Christ. And we're even adding something to it. This is for, listen, all new believers, all people that are new to our church, my wife, Kayla, and I were starting a new small group. And when you come out of our next steps, you go right in to a small group at our house. We're going to eat together, have dinner together. We're going to talk about the things that we saw in your spiritual gifts, help you grow, get plugged in, get you connected to a discipleship group or get you connected to one of our life groups so you can grow in Christ. Anybody want some of this? Come on. I, I don't know about you. I want to I make sure I'm doing all that I can do. Are you doing all that you can do? to be a disciple, to be a follower of Christ because I can't help you follow Christ if I ain't following Him. Some people say, I want to make disciples. You ain't even being a disciple right now. Let's start with us, amen? Because I can't show you how to do something that I don't have myself. And to just even go deeper with this. I told the team, I said, hey, put it on the calendar. I want to do a training, put it up on the screen. I want to do a training called Live the Mission, and the training is going to be focused on teaching people how to share their faith and make disciples, okay? And what we're hoping is, is we're hoping that some of you that say, I'm so passionate about this, when there's a group of people that are saved in our church or somebody saved, I want to help them grow in Christ. And I've been trained. I've been equipped. I've got every tool that I need to help a new follower become all that God has called them to become. Anybody want to live on mission? I want to live on mission. Listen. I don't want to get so distracted in my life and so busy in my life that I get to the end of it and there's not one person in heaven to thank me. That I pointed them to Jesus. That I helped them grow in Christ. Statistically, 98% of professing Christians will go their whole life and not share Jesus with one lost person. Only 2% are living the mission. Let me just go ahead and just go out on a limb and say, if they're not sharing Jesus with the lost, they're not discipling people either. Because that's what a disciple does. So, only two percent are living this, and then we want to get mad at the schools for taking prayer out. We want to get mad at the get- listen. We're not even living our mission. What do we? How many of you know repentance starts with us? Repentance, it starts with the house of God. Let me just get down here and just talk to y'all like we're just talking. You know, Jesus, sometimes he just sat down. Somebody say, Bless God. That White House would get in order. This country would get back where it needs to be. I'd argue that. I'd argue that majorly. Ah, well, if our policies would get back in line with God's word, then turn things around. You wanna know why our nation is in the condition that it's in right now? It's not because of the order of the White House. It's the order of our house. Can I just address the church today? If the church would start getting it right if the church would get back on mission. And guess what? The church is only as good as the people that attend the church. (laughs) So when I say the church gets back on mission, what I'm really saying is, is that we would get back on mission. That we would, that we would. Because the church is only as strong as the families that are in the church. And so we're in the condition that we're in, not because of what's going on around us, but because of what's going on within us. It's right here it's right here and if we could get on the right track and if we could get our hearts in line with god and the mission that he's given us then it will set our families on fire for god come on somebody I want my kids on fire for you. Je- if we get on fire, they're going to get on fire. Hey, I'm telling you right now, if they get on fire, you're going to get on fire. Hey, whichever way it happens, let's just get our families on fire for Jesus. We get our families on fire for Jesus. We will get our churches on fire for Jesus. If we get our churches on fire for Jesus, we will get our state on fire for Jesus. If we can get the states on fire for Jesus, we can get our whole country on fire for Jesus. If we can get our country, we might just reach the whole world, but it starts with my heart starts with my house starts with me living on mission being who god's called me to be so i wonder how many of you say today you know what i'm not going to heaven empty-handed i'm not going to be the two percent I don't care what I gotta do. I don't care if I gotta look myself in the mirror and psych myself out and tell myself that I am the Godfather and go and have lunch somewhere and be bold enough to tell somebody about Jesus. You know what I do sometimes when I got a tough meeting I gotta handle? Cause I'm a softy, y'all. I'm a real softy. I put some napkins in my cheeks and I talk like this. You can do it, Kenny. You know? I psych myself up. I'm gonna go in there and just come on, Corleone style, be strong in this meeting. Some of you might just need to come on. You can tell somebody about Jesus this week. You can do it. I can promise you, it's not going to kill you. I can promise you, you're not going to have a panic attack. I can promise you, you're going to leave blessed if you do it. I can promise you, you're going to feel excited. I promise you, you're going to love it because you're going to be like, hey, I'm doing what God saved me to do. So we're going to train you. We're going to equip you. They're going to be putting that up on the screen. once you come August 3rd, 630. Let's come and let's have a night together where we can go out and be equipped to live the mission. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks for those of you that give generously to City Light Church. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to begin partnering with us financially, you can click the link to give now in the description, or you can go to citylightchurch.cc forward slash give. And if God is using this podcast in your life, you can subscribe today. You can click the share button and help us get the word out to the world.